Welcome to Carry the Fire, a podcast where we explore the big questions of life through the lens of the good, the true, and the beautiful. I'm your host, Dustin Kensrew, and my hope is that through these conversations with people of diverse and divergent backgrounds and beliefs, we can glimpse the world anew through each other's unique perspectives. Food is one of those things that you can actually get really good at if you just try. Like, it's not like a... I'll never be able to be a masterful, like, you know, guitar player. Uh, if, even if I, like, really tried hard, I just don't have that skill set. But, like, with food, like, we've watched people, like, go from coming in, you know, our restaurant in the first year, not even knowing how to, like, use a knife. And then, like, by the end, they can leave and, like, go, you know, run a small program of their own. Hey, everyone. Today, we're joined by Chef Danny Bowen. Danny is best known for his restaurant, Mission Chinese, and is also known throughout the food industry as a very talented and innovative chef. Danny ends up kind of interviewing me for a decent portion of this episode because he's just curious and friendly like that. We talk quite a bit about the similarities and differences of the way creativity and expectations function in both the music and food industries. We discuss cooking at home and I get a bit of a lesson on how to use a wok. And we end with Danny sharing a bit about Narcs, his band with Jeff Rickley of Thursday and Chris Conley of Saves Today. Let's dive in. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's an honor. Like, I uh, I remember the first time that we all met was probably admission. I feel like it was a while ago. Yeah, when the, like, the whole band came in and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was so cool. That was really and then, fun. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan, and it's like a, it's cool. I've been thinking a lot, just kind of recollecting during this time because we have a lot of time to think about, and like you know, just being able to meet so many people uh, that you like really respect and like look up to, and um, and especially you know, I, talking about like how like the food and music world, there are a lot of parallels and a lot of like. Um, not misconceptions, but thoughts around like the amount of work that goes into it and the <laughs> amount of, yeah. and it's funny cause so many chefs and people in the food world, there's this like this, this kind of like byline that just runs through like people, um, you know, music is one of those things that really brings people together. I know that you like, yeah, you know, the guys at, at Contra and Wild Air, like, yeah, they're yeah. like, um, um, so yeah, man, I've, I've, it's 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 an honor to be able to be a part of what you're doing. It's really cool. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I I like to start off asking, uh, what would give you a deep sense of wonder when you were a kid? I think that what gave me a deep sense of wonder as a kid, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and um, I'm adopted, so I'm Korean, and my parents are, um, you know, they're from Oklahoma, so. Um, you know, I was, like, growing up with Caucasian parents. I think that, like, as a kid, like, externally, I was always, like, I had this, like, guard up where I had to be very sure about, like, people would always be like, hey, like, how do you feel about, like, having, like, American parents and not being, you know, it was a very confusing thing back then. And so I think when left to my own devices, like, whenever I would be alone, like, um, publicly facing, I would always be kind of, like, set in my ways I would give people like the response of what the odds are in favor of so like what do you want to be when you grow up all those things and like I want to be a doctor and people are like oh great that sounds of course mm -hmm. you know like but um I think that like my parents were also very religious um 
And so I wasn't really allowed to engage in a lot of like extracurricular activities if they weren't related to like church. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to like, I wouldn't be able to play sports. I always wondered like, um, I think what would give me the deepest sense of wonder would be when I would be riding on my bike. Um, cause that was like one of those moments when you have a long time mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, and I think that like, I would just think about those. That's my moment. That was my time. when I would think about, um, what it would be like to be a part of a, you know, a sports team or to be involved in something that wasn't like church related. Um, so I feel like that's like, as a kid, that would, what it would be, that would be the time I would allow my mind to wander mm-hmm. a little bit. I think that, um, and I think that it would just be like, I'd always have these like gold markers in front of myself. I think that like, even now as an adult, like, you know, it's like, oh, when I was a kid, I would be like, oh, I want to make sure that like, um, I want to be able to drive a car. Like that was my thing, you know, cause we, they were always like really, it's really crazy. Like if anyone grew up in a very religious household, we were like, my parents were like, um, basically Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. So there was this like doom and gloom and fear that was always like, you know, any moment like the rapture was going to happen yeah. and like we were all going to leave the earth. And like, I um, I was always so scared. I was like, oh, I just want to be able to drive a car. Like that would be amazing. I'd love to like have my own driver's license, you know? And like, then after that, I want to be 18 and move out. Like then in, I wanna, like, in terms paid. of like, you're like, I hope the rapture doesn't happen before I get to drive a car. Right, yeah. yeah. And it was like back then, like my church and my family, are, they were they would put dates like they'd be like oh mm-hmm. like on this day is when it's gonna happen and like there would be it was just insane it was like so nuts and like you know it was like there were all these certain days and then like I remember night like you know um, as this, as it became like I think we left the church when I was like my mom passed away when I was like eighteen mm-hmm. but when I was like sixteen when I finally got to drive a car I started like realizing well some of this stuff doesn't really add up and like um, but I think that like. Yeah, I feel like I had all these, like, things, just these goal markers I wanted to at least hit. And, like, outside of that, I think that maybe, like, I would say probably the thing that made me the, the deepest sense of wonder as a child was, like, what would it be like to drive a car? <laughs> like, what would it be like to have my own car and have that that feeling of freedom that I felt, like, when I'd be riding my mm-hmm. bike around the block? Yeah. They always, we lived in the suburbs, so they'd be like, oh, you can ride your bike around the block a few times before dinner. And so, outside of that, like, I was told like what to think and how to think because my parents were very religious so it was like you always had these like views on things so i didn't really like have a really crazy imagination when i was a little kid i I had these things that were like kind of programmed into me like this is what you do if this happens or if like someone's mean to you turn the other cheek and you know all those like those kind of like i think it was like it's an interesting combination of having my guard up um personally to be able to like tell people Give people, make people feel okay about like them feeling weird about me and my family situation. Like we would go to like uh, a restaurant. I tell a story like we would go to like Chili's or something like mm-hmm. that, and like the host would always be like, "Oh, party for two You know, would it be like, "No, party for three Like this kid mm-hmm. is with us. Like you know. So um, it's interesting how that's kind of like translated into my life as an adult and my profession as a chef is wanting to like be this person that is a pleaser and like gives people that sense of calm. Mm. Um, but I would say to answer a long answer, but like as a kid, what would give me the deepest sense of, of wonder when I would like, my mind would actually like, it would just be like, what, well, what happens when I get to this place, when I can get to this point? Um, and those thoughts happen when I had, 
you know, I was always around people when I was a little kid. And again, as a restaurant person, like you're always around people, you know, mm -hmm. there's never a dull, you don't have a lot of alone time. So, um, I think it would just be like riding my bike around the block, yeah. you know, and just thinking about like, well, that'd be cool if this happened or like what it would be like to be on a, you know, if my parents actually let me play baseball or something, you know, like that, that would have been, those are the thoughts I would have. Does that still kind of follow you now in the sense of your career and stuff? Like wondering, like, like, well, like looking ahead to something else, is, is that still like a strong drive in you? It's a good question. Um, COVID or not COVID related, I feel like um, as a as a creative person, you know, it's like I'm sure you've probably felt this in your career. It's like you do it in the beginning because it's like fun. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is like fun. Like I, I love what I do. And then it becomes a job kind of, which is hard. Like you never want what you, your passion is to become like a job, right? But like it does, like, you know, um, thrice blows up and becomes this big thing bigger than what you maybe I mean I'm I'm not sure like but like when I was doing mission like I never thought it, it would be what it would became mm -hmm. and I didn't really know that that's and at the time you're we like let's not I wasn't architecting it to become this like thing yeah. you know even before COVID it was like it's got to this place where it's like you don't want to lose that passion and that drive and I ask people this a lot specifically music musicians and I'm like you know, when you become, you find some sort of success in what you do and what you love, like, at what point do you allow yourself to have the creative, like, how do you stay creative? And how do you stop trying? You can't never outdo, like, you know, it's hard. I asked, I used to ask, like, Jeff and Rickley and Chris Conley, like, about this a lot, because we were in this band, we we're in this band together, and, like, I would be like, hey, guys, like, you know, like, do you ever get sick of playing that number one song? Mm -hmm. Like, Chris, do you get tired of playing, like, at your funeral or whatever when you play live or like Jeff like do you get tired of playing like understanding in a car crash and like they had different answers but I'm like because I was at a point in my career a while ago I was like always trying to outdo I'm like I can do better than that like just wait like and I don't want to play the hits but you know I it's really hard to like and th their response was kind of different but like ultimately it simmered down to like you got to give that respect you have to pay respect to what got you here and take and nurture that in a way in a sense more than like you know, of course you're able to do more things creatively, but people want to hear certain things. People expect something from you. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like, it boiled down, like kind of just like play the hits and do that. I think that I'm at a place now in my career where like, like the drive and ambition, I don't know what goal markers to put in front of myself because I think as a creative person, you're always, I, I found that like, you know, putting that goal marker and it's like, oh, when this happens, everything will be okay that doesn't really exist as an adult and I don't it's, it's hard like you know it's like oh once this happens then everything will resolve and it will be okay it hasn't quite happened that like that for me yet I don't since. I mean I don't think that, I think that's a I think it's an illusion but it's a it's a a hard one to you know I wish I had off. the youthful yeah the naivety that you like when I was young and like you you want to believe that 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 like oh when I make the, to this point everything will be cool or if, if as I recover from this setback you know this thing will fix everything you know um and that doesn't really exist so i feel like to answer your question i don't feel like that's what drives me right now and in a really like like i'm mean, just a very realistic real like um way of putting things i don't know exactly what is driving me at this point because like you know mission 
has become this thing and it's a restaurant and it's a living, breathing thing, it's extremely difficult to operate that in COVID. Like you can't, you know, um, it's like playing shows. Like how are you going to go play a show in front of a bunch of people right now? Though people are finding ways around it. Um, but I think it's a very experiential thing. And so there's been like this sense of, you know, like bands are playing shows in parking lots and people are driving or, or like, you know, people are drive, doing these drive-in things where you drive in and you listen to the band play on your radio while you're sitting in your car. And like, there's like this like sense of reinvention and it's, I want to roll with it. Like I want to like, like the, if I was, I say this a lot, but if this were like 10 years ago version of me, I'd be like, whatever it takes, like just kind of like muscling through and being like, you just got to get shit done. But I feel like right now I'm trying to think, um, strategically about like well what is actually best not only for the business but also for my own self like mentally physically mm. i'm not like this like scrappy you know um 38 i'm not this scrappy like 20 something year old kid that's just dying to like do what i need do what i can to like um get to that next level yeah. so i don't know it's like you know in a sense like the thing that drives me the most now is that like we have a restaurant is a living breathing thing and it's an you know we have this like this like world and this community that we've built and there are people that depend on us to keep it going, you know, but, um, what does keeping it going mean? There's a lot of like really difficult decisions that we have to make as far as like how we're going to continue to operate the business, um, through COVID. There's a lot of uncertainty around like, you know, like there, there are all these things like, Oh, you can, you can let people eat inside now and stuff like that. And, how do we feel about that? And like, how can a business like mission, like stay open and operate? If we can be more overly conscious than we already are, we would do that. You know, um, we're being very safe and very practical and just trying to figure out how to like hit this moving target. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean like we're having to make really tough judgment calls about like our brick and mortar spaces that we have. And like, you know, we've tried to pivot and turn, uh, the location downtown, like on East Broadway, into this takeout thing. Everything else, we don't have a lot. We don't have a large footprint for outdoor seating, so we're having to come to the conclusion that it doesn't make sense to. We can't financially survive. Like we can't look a year from now, and yeah, you know, we don't have the means to weather a storm like this. So we're gonna have to close that location, and like we're like, you know, announcing that um, this week. It's a really tough thing. You know, you mm -hmm. kind of beat yourself up. It's like. But at what point are you hurting more than helping, you know? And, like, that's... It's a hard thing. Like, I've been hard on myself today all day about that. Like, is there something I could have done? And without, like, putting, you know, the business or other people at, like, a serious risk, like, health risk, like, I don't think there is. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, like, there's a cycle to things. And, like... And that's a hard thing as an adult to realize that, like, you feel responsible. I feel very responsible for everything. But in this pandemic, it's, like, very difficult to, like you know, it's just very difficult to rationalize the fact that like there's certain things that are outside of your control. So creatively, where does that fall into play? I feel selfish. Like ultimately I want to go in and like be a, I'm like, you, sometimes you think creativity is what's going to pull you out of everything. You're like, Oh, if I can just like put my head down and like do this one thing and everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't work either. So it's a weird balance of like, how do you like, at what point do you put your creativity aside and like just, it's hard, you know, because I feel like that's what got gets us here. That's hard, man. I'm sorry I haven't to close that. Do you have two spots no, in New York? Yeah, so we have one in Brooklyn, okay. um, and that one opened a few years ago, and it's just like... I thought I had moved it, from it, Brooklyn, too. 
Yeah, yeah. And so there is this, like, the show must go on mentality, but there's also, like, you know, um, the reality of the situation is it's hard. It's difficult. We'll get through this. We've gotten through so much, you know, and um, and that's the hard thing. It's like I think overall there just needs to be a ton of, like, positivity in the world. I personally thrive on, like, on ex- I get excited about reinvention and things like changing and like that's just ultimately what has to happen anyways especially like you know like um, in music like I'm sure like it's it's things evolve and they change so rapidly and you know I, I've learned to not kind of like chase after or try to like I'm just trying I'm just now learning how to be myself and not like trying to always stay ahead of the curve because it's kind of impossible it's funny you were, you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that correlation between music and food and creativity and that idea of are you creating for yourself are you creating for the fan the customer and is there a difference between the creation act and like the sharing act right in a concert or a restaurant or something like i don't know what do you what do you think like in the end are you is it your job to kind of create for you first or to create for the customer or something in between well i've done i've done it all of i mean i think right now i'm i'm really trying to create for the market and like what is if basically we can do a really quick a b test and if we like put a new dish on you know we've done the thing where we're like let's just do what the odds are in favor of and make like um like a sweet and sour chicken dish or something mm-hmm. like that. And even though it's not exciting to me, it's something that sells and ultimately provides for the business. And like, you know, I just, it's hard. It's like, you're like, okay, fine, I'll just do that. You know, I've done that. Um, I've done the thing where I've, in the beginning of my career, it's, it sucks. Cause in the beginning, honestly, in the creative guy career, I was like, fuck everything else. I'm just doing this for me. Like I've, I've worked in kitchens for so long. I've worked in fine dining restaurants and I just, I just don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to just, do my own thing we're gonna do a pop-up inside of another restaurant and like just do this thing and like we don't care and then that became this thing where then it got all this attention and all these critics come in and people are really rooting for you and it's this different and then all of a sudden you start playing for those people and like i start creating dishes for like that i know critics are gonna like and you it becomes this thing where you basically you lose a lot a sense of like what got you here right mm-hmm. and then to go back once you've achieved that success and you i feel like you know like i it's a hard thing it's easy anyone can say like oh i don't I just do this to myself fuck the critics fuck mm-hmm. the haters it's all that but like that's like so difficult to actually do like and i've been there i've been like i don't i don't care i'm just staying in my own lane and like if people like it fine if they don't who cares but, like, to really honestly say that is really hard. You know, you know what food critics like. You know how the food critics like to get treated. I mean, just the review process in New York City, right? Like, you know, when people come and get hired at Mission, there is, like, a book. Like, if you're a host or a manager or a chef, there is, like, a, a book that lives at Mission that has every f- restaurant critic's name, every food celebrity, every food person, like... And for a long time, they would have to study that and be like, if this person comes in, you see them at this table, you notify a manager. Like, there's this whole, this whole like song and dance, and you would, you would kind of like, you would, you would like kind of manicure it in a way to where like, you would just carve out an experience for them that they're like used to, mm. and they, you, and you would make dishes, you would send dishes their way that you know like, oh, this thing is like a little bit more like 
nuanced and like you would know like i mean down to like you knew we knew what what pete wells like the food critic in new york city for new york times we knew what kind of music he liked like when he we knew he likes led zeppelin so like when he came to new mission and in, in, in at the first iteration of the restaurant we he came in we set him down immediately he didn't have to wait at the three hour wait for a table you know they you know you're not supposed to give them drinks or anything like that we like made sure they had like you know his Dining companions had a certain type of wine they liked, or like we would push that, and we put on Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? And like, at the end of the day, it's like it's kind of like you know, you know, if you want to record an album, right? You like record an album to sound a certain way, work with a certain producer, you will get the results that you want. You will get this hit or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I wasn't extremely happy with what we were doing in the direction we we're going in. So, I was able to like, but then the critics liked what we were doing. So then I was able to be like, you know it's kind of a dangerous thing but you're like well you know what I don't like that version of me so I'm gonna bite the hand that feeds and like I'm not gonna make food for critics anymore I'm doing it for me I'm doing it for my customers right like success has really fucked with the creative process because success from a critical perspective I feel like people are so hungry to give like this thing that's different or new success as quickly as they can whether it's a critic or like a, just an audience a perspective audience but like also to yeah. take it away as quickly as they can as well and that really fucks with your 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 head you know and like and also it it like derails creativity so i found that like my happiest moments now are making things i know if i can this guy ivan orkin who has this restaurant called ivan ramen um he said this thing one time he's like if i can just like really just go into a kitchen and like cook something he's like that in that moment everything is okay he's like everything's fine it kind of figures itself out and um i find that now it's so cliche and funny it sounds like i can honestly say now that if i can go cook something and be happy with it and like and not be thinking about like is this for this person or that person or not even really for myself but just can i go do this can Mm -hmm. i go put something together and like in those moments I feel like a lot of like sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um but if i don't have a if i don't go into it thinking like this is just for me this is like danny food or like this is food that i know that like you know a customer is going to just latch on to or like this kind of like I've, I've definitely i think one clear-cut answer i can give you is i'm not trying to outdo the dishes that like we're known for anymore and i've kind of embraced that i've embraced that like yeah like we have these like chicken wings that people love and like mapo tofu and like all these like sichuan dishes that like at that point in my life 10 years ago i was like so into sichuan food it was such a crazy different um flavor profile for me and i'd never had it before and um you know like for a long time i tried to run away from that now that's fine it lives there and it's like cool i think that right now but the longest time I was trying to be like, mm-hmm. well, let me show you I can do a better dish than that. If I'm just kind of like, I think that I have all of these things in mind, like um, I can't go to this blank space and be like, just block it all out. Let's just do this thing. Let's like put it down. That's very hard to do. But, um, you know, and it's kind of weird because COVID is kind of like level the playing field in a sense. Because like you're, you kind of, it's helped kind of in a way like distill down like you can only make food that goes in a takeout container. You know what I mean? So you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about like what plate it goes on or like what the service style is like or what station it's going to come from. It's like, how can you get this thing into this box? Make sure it's at, it's at this price mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
and make sure it's not too over people's heads, you know? So it's kind of helped, like, whereas we could have done this big flashy dish that would involve, like, you know, I think it's, it would involve a lot of steps and processes and, like, people to serve it. And, like, now it's, like, simplified. And I think that that's kind of helped inform the process. I know the answers tend to be all over the place, but in a sense, I've done, I've done all of those I've cooked for myself only in the beginning. And that's why I was saying it sucks. Cause like, that's the best. It's like recording the first album for the yeah. band. Like there are no stakes. Like it, no one cares. No one's expecting anything from you. But then after you do that, then everyone expects everything from you. And they're ready to like tell you that you're not like, that you don't deserve the success you got. But in a sense, there was like a, a level of like validation. And you're like, oh, we did it. But then I realized I just mm-hmm. became what I didn't want to be, what I, what I was trying to run away from. And then, um, you know, really taking my, the customer base and like, it's just interesting. I think Mission has had such a identity crisis for so long that like, it sucks because it's all lining up now in COVID because it's like, all these things are stripped away. It's like, oh, now we're figuring out who we are. And it's hard because it's like, well, who is, who wants this? You know, like, who is our demographic? Like, who is this for? You know, it's hard because like, you know, tourism yeah. is non-existent in New York. You can't like... You know, like before, you'd be able to like put stuff in front of people and get a reaction, and now it's just like going in a takeout box, and you have no idea. I was seeing some of those connections before, but I, I feel like there's that critic part is definitely more intense in in the food area because, oh. like, you know, critics are gonna like or yeah. hey, whatever I'm doing, but I feel like I can't. I think it'd be harder to cater to that as a as an, uh, a musician or something than it, it is as a chef. I think there's more kind of clues and keys and, and tricks that you would know that are going to like get you somewhere with, with the critic. And But is that true though? Because I'm sure at a point in like music, right? Like whenever all these like pop punk bands were coming out that were just like radio, like just like, oh, this is going to be, and I don't want to name names because I, I, mean, I respect everyone and like I would never want to. Which is, I think, right. a bit different because, well, it's the difference between what doing like a, you know, having like a hit franchise food place and having like a really cool restaurant, yeah. right? Which I'm not opposed to 100%. Like that's the thing is like I'm finding, you know, I was just in um, San Antonio and like I grew up in Oklahoma, like I grew my world was this very democratized way of eating. Like going to eat at like McDonald's or, or Taco Bell or something with my friends, and like we're sitting in these like you know like plastic booths and like just hanging out, and you could be next to anybody. It didn't matter, you know. Like that is like I think so for so long, like we were kind of like pocketed as like this. Oh, we're like these like you know punk like you know rebellious chefs that are just doing things on their own terms, but like. I have always wanted Mission mm-hmm. to be accessible to whoever. I wanted to push people's comfort out of their comfort zone a little bit, but still like be at a price point and like um, an access point that like feels good. And so, but I hear what you're saying. Like I, I definitely yeah. So in that regard, like making these restaurants, these huge hundred, two hundred seat restaurants, um, I don't know if that's in the cards for me or anyone really. With COVID, it's kind of helped. But I would say, like I would love to be in like college towns and like you know like as a kid in Oklahoma I would always watch like Emerald Lagasse on TV and like Emerald Live I'd be like oh man it'd be so cool if Emerald came to town it's like when your favorite band comes you're like oh god I would buy tickets like months in advance to go see a band play and like but I just I I 
my first food memory was actually going to Emeralds in Orlando at Universal Studios and eating at an Emeralds restaurant. And I was like, oh, I was so naive. I was like, oh, is Emerald here? Like, is he in the back? And they're like, no, he never comes here. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think if you did something like that, it would be amazing. And it, and it would be the equivalent of like, there are bands that are great that have a, a huge success. Right. It's, but I, I feel like it's, at least in my opinion, it, it's a lot more rare than a, you know, the amount of great bands that hardly anyone knows about and the amount of shitty bands that everyone listens to. Like there are like great bands that are like, I'm stoked you're doing well. I'm stoked. Everyone listens to you. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm all for that. It's hard. I mean, I feel like technology has changed that in the, in the, in the food world a lot. Like if you're good or you're decent and you're trying hard, mm-hmm. people will find out about you. Versus in the music world, you could really live, like, I mean, I guess bands can put things on social media and stuff, but like, if a, if a chef just, if there's one picture of a dish, right? Like, if someone puts on the internet, like, oh man, this is amazing, it can just go crazy. Versus, I don't know if music's the same way, I don't know if you can put a song in a place, like, um, like Instagram or something and people just be like, Oh, like, I don't know. Does that happen? It does. I think it's, I think the music world is very flooded in the internet age. Like there's just so much that I think there's more tools than ever and opportunities for more people to hear it. But it, it's, there's an ocean of things that it's competing against, you know? Right. Well, I've, I've, I've been like, I selfishly like thought of this opportunity today, like to talk to you as like, just to ask questions too, because it's like it, man. with restaurants, restaurants are kind of, in my opinion, restaurants are in like the Napster phase now where we had it like so great for so long or not Napster, but like maybe the Spotify thing where it's like, and I, you'll have to like, forgive me because I don't know a ton about music, but I do know that like as a band a long time ago, my perception again, I'm not really sure this is accurate, but like you could go out and play a show and people would buy your record from a record store mm-hmm. and like people would really consume your product and then something happened with technology um and everything shifted and you had to re-examine how like you just kind of made a business around that and like um with food now it's like the restaurant as a restaurant i think a restaurant is kind of like a. Uh, like I don't know, this is maybe a bad analogy, but it's kind of like the restaurant is like the Def Leppard Stadium show, you know? And, like, I don't really see a lot of people... I don't know that a lot of bands back in the day were playing same shows, but they are playing, like, bigger shows, I think. And with restaurants, you know, I don't... We don't have the ability to, like, put on these, like... These performances every night of, like, three to 400 people coming through our doors. Um, and, you know, on a, on a margin level, like, we're doing, like, you know... 20, 10% of what we usually do mm-hmm. just because, you know, there's, we don't have, we have a very limited capacity that we can service, uh, with just outdoor seating. And if it rains and that's a wash, but like, well, how do you recall when, when, when your career really took off, was it post like, I mean, no, it wasn't post Spotify, obviously Spotify is like new, but is it, did you feel an effect that, was there a shift, a moment where you're like, you're like, okay, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, like, what do we do? Uh, we, we kind of like have like lived as a band through the entire 
shift from yeah like MySpace was like the first was it MySpace the first thing I don't know if MySpace was the first thing or Napster was before MySpace yeah so we we were doing stuff before you could share any music on the internet so wow we were like making you know cassette samplers like unironically right it was just that was that uh-huh. was the technology yeah. that was yeah. cheap yeah. that you could uh, get it yeah. so people still uh, had tape players in like every car or whatever um, and CDs existed too but it was cheaper to get like a little little two song tape uh, sometimes um, so yeah we've seen like all those shifts you know from Apple Store we actually played uh, Thursday played in in New York and we played in mm-hmm. Santa Monica on the same day at the Apple stores to like launch the oh. launch the the uh, iTunes which was it was yeah. just really weird thinking <laughs> back um, I was like that's, that's crazy that, that was actually kind of historic um, that's amazing <laughs> but uh, yeah so like we did that we saw you know all the stuff for free everywhere um, mm-hmm. now in like streaming age which potentially is really cool. I mean, I love, I love being in the streaming age because I love hearing and finding new music really easy. Uh, right. I wish it paid better. Like I would, yeah. I would easily, you know, pay three times what I'm paying on, on Spotify or something if I knew it was like, actually going to bands. Most of the money's just going yeah. to giant labels still, which is, right, you know, par for the course. But, um. Yeah, so there hasn't been like one, one shift, uh, and we're a weird band because we've we you know done okay, but we've never done like really well. Like uh, we have like a really strong fan base, which I guess that's definitely a parallel you can see in in or I would think in you know a restaurant world where it's like you've got your regulars, your people that they're like they're yeah. ready for they're ready like they love the old things but they're like yeah yeah bring me something new and it's like that's i mean that's but there's not a lot of this let's be honest (laughs) like it's it's like it is it's like people either like only want the old stuff you know and that's why these parallels with music and food is like people just want there are people that come that just want to hear you know like they want us to play that same song every night if you don't do it and i and i and i get it like we need to make those dishes but i mean um I don't know. I mean, I want to hope that there are a lot of people that are just open. But if we take something away, like if you guys don't play certain songs, and I don't know, maybe you don't. Um, do people get yeah, upset? I mean, there's like, or do you just we? Because we, yeah, we've definitely dealt with that same thing. You have a big catalog yeah, of stuff, so, so it's like you can't you play can't, it all. But like, there's songs you're like, yeah, people dig this, even though it wouldn't be mm-hmm. our first choice to play. And that's where I'm saying this. I yeah. feel like there's a difference in for us, like what we're gonna play at the show. We're definitely trying to mix it up. We want mm-hmm. to have fun. We want it to be interesting. We want to play some new shit for people who are into it. And we also want to play the stuff that, like... Because that, you know, that nostalgia thing, it, that's... I mean, that's... It's <laughs> it's real, as weird as it is. But you're like, yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. if this song is not as good. Someone has a, an emotional mm-hmm. connection to it. And A, yeah. you can't replicate it. And B, you can't deny that it's there right and so, so that's the same thing with your right. early dishes that people are like this this thing i yeah. just i remember the first time i ate it and i love it and like you've talked yeah. about that in yeah. like some of the interviews you've done. like there's you mm-hmm. the first time you had you know whatever this dish and you want to go back there and you'd be bummed mm-hmm. if all of a sudden like yeah we don't make that one anymore you know i know i know exactly <laughs> right but so there hasn't been a moment for you 
as a band or you know as a creative person like what helps you get through these like I'm sure there's got to be a point to like I'm working on a book right now I'm working on doing mission vegan right and like it's like oh if I lock myself in a room like I'm not that kind of creative person like I feel like I kind of have to be down to the wire and like you know like I procrastinate put it off and put it off and then like you think what that's how I work but for you like like how how have you like dealt with like for me it was like well, let me do something completely different I'm gonna do a, a, a book of vegan food because as a as a chef and also like having a lot of friends of bands and people that like uh, you know a lot of other creative people around me like not everyone eats meat and I was like let me just make the most democratized mm. thing actually like let's make something that everyone basically anyone can eat you know what I mean like anyone can do this thing um, and I kind of put these like these like um, governing things in place for myself so I wouldn't like wander too outside of the bounds creatively like, you know but for you like through your career and through like like how have you maintained the creative edge to not just I mean has there ever been a point ever where you were just like I don't know man like was there a moment like where you're like I'm just gonna just you know like when we opened Bushwick um mission like I wanted to do a lot creatively but I also was like well I should just play the hits because I think that's what people want and actually it didn't work like we opened a facsimile of mission in Manhattan mm -hmm. in Bushwick and it didn't work like people were like this is too expensive this is too fancy like we don't want this it's going to turn into like mm -hmm. a counter service thing pre-COVID it was going to do that but like is there has there been a moment in your career where you were like uh, alright fine I'll just do this I'll coast and then did that did that help you or uh, hurt you? Or have you always been able to just be like, I'm just going to be creative? Uh, and I think the fact that all four of us are writing makes it mm -hmm. to where that's... And we're all, I mean, somewhat neurotic about... I'm probably the least... Mm -hmm. I'm definitely the least neurotic about... About, <laughs> like, doing something new. Like, I, I'm, I'm... I'll mm -hmm. sometimes be pushing back, being like... Uh, just because it's not the most like original thing in, in the sense of like you've never heard this thing before like that doesn't mean it's bad mm -hmm. like there's um like yeah. it's like you're building off foundations right like even the, either the most right. like advanced dish you could make you're mm -hmm. you're getting it there because you're building off like foundations of different styles of cooking mm -hmm. whatever um but i think that basically the fact is like like if you had to be with like four chefs with equal <laughs> say in what's happening every day, like it's just gonna, yeah. it's going to advance in a certain way. Um, and yeah, and we just all are into different kinds of shit. I mean, last night at, at practice, we ended, ended, we're writing right now. And I was just like, guys, we're a weird band. Like just like the song, <laughs> like the songs that we're writing. I was just like, like it doesn't, there's like, I think especially at this point in our career um, there's just zero thought of like and especially and especially because we're working on this one on our own so we know there's not even like a producer mm -hmm. that's going to be like guys I, I don't know about oh, this wow. one uh, and, we, and we've done that before yeah. but like not in a while has nobody else been involved <laughs> so there's just zero yeah. uh, you know voice in the back of your head being like I don't know if whatever Bobby is going to like this or whatever not even like I don't know yeah. if critic or fan or whatever but just someone else you're working with it's just it's just like do we like this and uh yeah so it goes it goes weird and you it's it's really fun and i think i've 
I've really tried to settle into because I'm I'm very critical in the moment as I'm creating, which is really hard to be prolific because I mm-hmm. shut things down before I let them out and then edit. Right, so I, I'm trying to get better at that, but especially with you know three other people, trying not to like shut something down just because I don't get it yet. Everyone else is vibing, just trying to go with it, you know. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. You know, nine times out of ten, I'm like, oh dang, yeah, they were totally right. But um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Do you feel that like just maturing, like, do you feel like it's gotten? I can tell you just for myself, like with a dish or something like that. It used to be like, how many things can I pack <laughs> in? Like, how many different garnishes? Like, there was a thing where it was just like we would look at dishes and be like, this has like thirteen garnishes on it. You know what I mean? There's four types of flowers. Wait, what? What is the point of this? And then I think a lot of that for me at the time was like, I mean, I, as I've gotten older, I feel like I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with like, because it's always a question of like, mm-hmm. when is it done? You know, when is it, when is it done? When do you step away? You know, when do you just let it go? Are there moments like with your, with any, with, I mean, there have to be, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? I'm sure there's things you can go back and change. Um, but are there, or do you feel like as now that you're this far, you know, you're farther along in your career that you that you feel comfortable like when it's done do you feel okay with it or do you have to go back you're like oh man i really wish because uh, that lives on that's like a dish is one thing you have a chance to redo <laughs> that every night yeah. you know what i mean but you guys you, it's when it's down well, it's yeah, done it's, it's done on the, the record world. and then you know yeah. they evolve live um it's mm-hmm. usually more just yeah it's recording stuff it's like you know the way someone mixed it you know you're always like yeah you can only go back to them so many times and be like, ah, let's change this or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so at the end of the day, it, you're always, there's always something that you would go back and change. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah. see how this time goes with, uh, it's just being totally back in our hands. It, that might, that might not be the case. Um, cause on, honestly, yeah, like the ones that we've done totally ourselves, I can look back at and I actually don't have those feelings about I don't have like the uh, or whatever you know just because we all Cause just because we it. did it and we had yeah. I, just because it was us we were able to really do everything exactly how we wanted which is it's hard because we learned so much working with producers and stuff you know in that collaboration but you also are compromising you know that's the, the name of the game so you, you're learning you're, you're benefiting you're getting something you're getting things out of it that you wouldn't have otherwise you're also losing certain things, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, like, with the book right now, like, um, you know, it was due, I think, before COVID, and, like, um, and the, when I when we did it, we are doing it in the same imprint that we did the Mission Chinese Food book years ago, and that book was three years late. <laughs> so, like, they are like, this time around, they're like, hey, we'd really like for you to work with mm. this writer. Like, JJ is a really great writer. We like the way he works. And, um he has taught me that like you don't need to write a three-page recipe that takes a week for someone to you know prep something you know 24 hours in advance or this or that he's like taught me not to take a lot of the chefiness out of it because the home cook that's going to try to do this is not going to do mm-hmm. all of those steps and he has a lot of expertise and it's been a lot of learning and it's been a lot of compromising and but i i was like talking to him the other day because we had a we had a pause because covid he um we like we had we think everything shut down and we were getting fired back up again and creatively we were just having hard t- i was having a hard time like i was having a hard time compromising to be honest i was like well 
can't we just like ask someone to like smoke tofu skin? <laughs> and he's like, Danny, where's someone gonna get tofu skin in like Oklahoma? Also, no one has a smoker in their backyard or in their restaurant. So I'm like, okay. And I told him, I was like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I get it. Like the publisher is like the record company. I use this analogy. I was like, publisher is like the record company. You're like Rick Rubin. And I'm like this creative, like, you know, musician they've hired. And they're like, no, but you're going to work with him because he's going to get us the results. And, and, and I feel if I were left my own devices and were to do a book by myself, A, I don't think it would ever get done. And B, I, I do feel like this like co-pilot situation, which is great. It's very like reassuring. I'm like, oh, at the end of the day, JJ isn't a great writer and his yeah. books sell. Yeah, I mean, there totally is, but it's, it's uh, I think it's definitely worth it a lot of time. I mean, there's compromise in four of us writing music together, right? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like just what I want to make, but I gain so much in letting other people into that process. Um, and how long have you all worked together now? The four of you. 20, wait, wait, 22 years. <laughs> so it's the same lineup the whole time uh, through? Yeah, same. Have there been a lot of, like, no, not a lot of, in, like, ins and outs? Same it's all exact the same. people. We took a... Same core group. Like, three and a half year break at some point. Um, uh-huh, yeah. Which that. was really helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's been actually a lot better even since we did that, just because it, it really reset a, a lot of stuff and... Um, and do you think that creatively, like, so there's never been a moment in your career where you've had to, like, I'm asking this selfishly because I'm, like, at this turning point, and it's, like, what has worked for me up to this point may not mm. work anymore. Like, I may have to do something different about, like, my, like, how I get what I want to do out there. And, like, has there ever been that moment for you? Whether, you know, like, that's why I was asking, I'm like, oh, maybe it was, like, Spotify or whatever else, but, like, where you had to like alter or like drastically shift? I mean, I think the biggest thing that was threatening that in some way was mm. we were on a major label um, and we made two records with them and then we were making a third and it was this concept idea I had of like these four elements and mm-hmm. so it's all out there's like four discs and end up being the alchemy index and being something you know that we're super proud of yeah and still love and um but most of the people that we had signed with at that label were gone by the time we made this and so oh, yeah. it was just these people and and we're <laughs> we're handing this to them and they're just like what what is yeah. this and yeah. no, no idea what to do with it and we basically like we had made it ourselves and we were like didn't want to lose all the work and they ended up they owed us a bunch of money still and so we were like you keep the rest of the money we'll keep the record and they're like sweet oh, wow. and so that was like one of the big moments where it was like this like our kind of creative ambition is not lining up <laughs> with yeah uh everything else right now but uh we were very lucky because i've heard so many sto- horror stories of you know like I, I i can't believe that people get their records like shelved like the fact that that happens is <sighs> is just mind-blowing to me I, and i'm so happy it's never happened to me but i don't know what i would do about that
Can I ask you a, a Szechuan question? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, even if even if you're not as into it as you once were. No, I am. I mean, I I learned to relove. You know. I I think this is the second time I made admission in um, mm-hmm. in San Fran, but uh, my wife and I went to uh, Smuggler's Cove. You know, the, mm-hmm. it's like the yeah, Tiki yeah. Brother. And they have zero food there, and just Yo. a bunch of like yeah. really strong, very strong. Drinks. Yes. And uh, so we were like up at the little bar in there, and just having the best time with zero food in our stomachs, and just uh-huh. <laughs> by the time we were done, we we're just toasty. And um, yeah, I walked over, and we had a reservation at Mission, and we were mm-hmm. so stoked and hungry, and we started eating, and it was like so hot. Yeah. The food is so hot, but it was, um, like, we couldn't stop eating. And then I was watching your Mind of the Chef thing, and yeah. they're talking about that that's kind of, like, part of what, like, Szechuan is doing with this mm-hmm. balance between, like, the spicy peppers and the peppercorn. Mm-hmm. Can you explain yes. that more? That doesn't make so, any sense to me. It's so, so it's like the, it's like mala. It's, like, spicy and, like, numbing, right? So, like, the numbing part, and that's the thing. I had worked in restaurants for a long time, and I... I'd worked in all these, you know, kind of ruin it for myself too. It's like, it's like, it's like learning to play an instrument. It's not like learning to play an instrument because like an instrument you never like really master, but like, say you want to like get good at something. I had, I have extreme ADD. So it's like, I want to learn how to play the drums. And that's like, I'm going to go cook in an Italian restaurant. And like, mm-hmm. oh, I got this down a little bit. Now I'm going to go learn how to play bass. And that's like working at a Japanese restaurant. I'm like, oh, I'm tired of playing bass. I'm going to go. And so I thought I'd done all of the instruments and I've, you know, in this, in the canon of food because I was, I was just young and stupid. And I thought I had it all figured out. So I was like, I'm done cooking. I don't want to cook anymore. And I had this dish at this restaurant called Spices 2 in San Francisco. And it was their version of Mapo Tofu. And like when I ordered Mapo Tofu, I would always get Mapo Tofu from like, if you don't know what it is, it's like a tofu dish that sometimes has meat in it. Sometimes it just has peas. It's in a brown sauce. You can get it from like any takeout shop. Uh, and I, for me, I just liked having, I liked tofu. I liked bean curd. And like... I had it every way except for this way. Every restaurant does a little bit differently, but usually it's like a saucy tofu dish served with rice. And I had it at this Sichuan restaurant called Spices 2, and it had, when you ate it, it's a Sichuan, but it's like a Taiwanese Sichuan restaurant. And um, it's, they use a lot of like Sichuan peppercorn and chili. So the Sichuan peppercorn that they use there, as chefs in restaurants, we would get Szechuan peppercorns. And I think the allure around Szechuan pepper for a lot of chefs, especially chefs working in like moderate to fine dining at the time in like the early, you know, in the, you know, mid 2000s. Um, I think I started cooking at like in restaurant restaurants in like 2006, 2005, 2006. So around that time, it was like there was this allure around Szechuan peppercorns because they were technically not legal to import in the States. There was a ban, the FDA banned them because for some reason, which is something you couldn't legally import. So it was like, if you got them, they had to be treated a certain way, like, 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 like brought up to a certain temperature, like, like radiated. I have no idea. I don't remember what it was, but like, you just couldn't get them. And if you got them, they weren't very effective. Like they didn't make your mouth like really numb and like tingly. And so I'd had Szechuan pepper versions of that before in my small world of San Francisco. But when I went there, I had this dish and it like my mouth I couldn't taste my mouth was like really tingly it tasted like I had eaten like 
like a battery or something like that. And then like, <laughs> yeah. and then like every time I drink my water, it was like really salty and like kind of sour. And I, I was like, so taken aback by that. And so I would go back and eat at this restaurant all the time. And that's actually at the time, all my friends that were chefs, we would go there and eat on our day off. We were so tired of making like refined food and like food that was just like really meltingly soft and like very nuanced and like not spicy. And we would go there and just nerd out on this like crazy, like numbing, f- mouth numbing, spicy food. And, um, you know, we come, we, we basically lurked around like chefs do. It's like, you know, we, we would like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like when you're like going to see, you're trying to figure out like your favorite, like guitar player sound. Like when oh, I was yeah. a kid, I would be like, and then you like go to the show and you like look at their like setup. You're like, Oh, okay. That's like <laughs> us. Yeah. I would like fake go to the bathroom and like kind of peek my head <laughs> in the kitchen. Cause I was like, how are they getting this? So like extremely numbing. And I was like, they would always be like, oh, it's just the chef. He's, like, an amazing chef. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, like, what is he using? And we came to find that, like, um, there were less Szechuan peppercorns in some of the dishes, but more Szechuan peppercorn oil. So, like, oh. the there you can get better Szechuan peppercorns, too. Like, they're really great Szechuan peppercorns. Is it now. easy to get now? Yeah, I can send you. Like, there, I actually worked... A mind of a chef, actually. There's a chef in there I worked with. His name's Yu Bo, and he's this mm-hmm. like master chef in Chengdu. And he taught me how to like look for the right Szechuan peppercorn. So mm-hmm. like, there's a there's a certain there's a couple ways. It's like Italians and olive oil. Like Italians will tell you with olive oil, not to taste the olive oil, but to put it in your hands and rub your hands together until they're warm. And then like a little drop of olive oil, rub your hands until they're warm, and then smell the fragrance from your hmm. hand. And like that can like determine a lot of chefs will be like, well, that if it smells this way, then it's a great oil, and if it doesn't, then whatever. There's all these like kind of I don't know if they're like actually like the way that he told me to do it is he. And again, this is in Chengdu in the Sichuan province. There are just these huge sacks of Sichuan pepper out of these like open air spice markets, and he was just like, oh, you just take your hand and you just like put it in the peppercorn so he just like shoved his hand in there and he's like let it sit in there for a second then take it out and then smell your hand and i'm like of course now in the world we live in today that's definitely not happening but that was one way and it was just like i would he was, he was like you smell that right i'm like uh yeah it smells like really great Szechuan peppercorn but we're also in the Szechuan province that doesn't help me yeah. when i'm like in oklahoma at the asian market or wherever and he was like oh another way to look for it is like it should look like they should be blossoming open and it should look kind of like an ear canal, like the flower of the, 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 the peppercorn, which is actually the seed of the prickly ash tree is actually a berry, mm-hmm. but um, it should look kind of like an ear, you know? And if you see a lot of little black pebbles in the bag of peppercorns, that look like little BBs. Um, he's like, that's not, that's not a good sign. You want them to look like whole, like little red peppercorns or green. Um, at the restaurant, we don't use red peppercorn. We don't use red Szechuan peppercorn. We use mm. green Szechuan peppercorn, which, you know, if you're in China, in, in, in the Szechuan province, a lot of the green Szechuan pepper is reserved for seafood dishes. Mm. But what we found in the States, when I've, when I've gotten them at markets, if you find green Szechuan peppercorns, usually they're just a lot more, like, strong and, like, numbing in, for some reason. Mm. Um, but the bigger thing, and what we use at the restaurant, and what you experience was Szechuan pepper oil, uh, which is, you know, on the ingredient list, it just says it's like oil and Szechuan peppercorns, uh, if you get a bottle of it, and that's what it is. Um, and it, oftentimes we finish dishes with that, just like mm. you finish something with extra virgin olive oil, so that's the first thing that hits your mouth. And the way that the fat, you know, oil coats your mouth in a certain way, so it really like, it really hits you in a really crazy, strong way. So 
with our mapo tofu or our kung pao pastrami or any of those dishes at the last second with the pastrami like right before we send it to a table or, or we put it in to go dish now um we drizzle a little bit of szechuan pepper pepper oil on that and that's really what gives you that really crazy mouth numbing effect and i can i can give you i'll send you a um the brand we use and like you can find that on anyone can get it on amazon or anywhere you want to get it if you don't want to use amazon you can get it um there's a lot of really great places to get it so sweet i need to get that um yeah it yeah, really it'll make everything it kind of ruins it for you though because it like it kind of <laughs> like you can make anything taste this one like there's this like seasoning um there's a couple tricks and there's not a lot of them but with with mission like again we we're not, I'm not a master chef and like I wanted to make something where we can make it, you know, you want consistency. So you want it to always taste the same or as the same as it can be no matter the skill level of the cook or, you know, like, so we've found certain ways to like, you know, effectively have those flavors without, um, you know, without like having to work too hard for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found, uh, watching that mind of a chef stuff. I feel like one of your kind of defining characteristics as a person is like, uh, like curiosity in like mixed with a humility about like your own craft or other people's like you you seem really excited to learn and I, I don't is that something that you've cultivated over time because I feel like so often in certain creative positions like uh, there's this pressure to like act like you know what you're doing, right? You like and to you're, fake it until you make it, kind of thing. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I don't get that vibe from you. You're just like, oh man, I've never seen that. I've never heard of this. I never, you know, and and uh, it's really refreshing to to watch. So is that something you've had to cultivate, or is it just kind of naturally how you are? Um, you know, I don't don't get me wrong. I've been that person. There was definitely a a, a hard headed like, you know, you, you know, the worst thing you can ever do is to like buy into your own hype and like. Uh, I did that before any of the success came. Like, you know, just like people being like, oh, you're a good line cook. You just start hearing that. You're like, oh, I'm pretty good at what I do. Then you become that kind of like that asshole that thinks Mm. they're better than they are. And so I've learned a lot from that. You know, I learned a lot from saying I don't want to be that person that like works at a restaurant that makes dishes that we know that the odds are in favor of the critics are going to like. And I've done that. And I've had to like look look at myself and be like, what am I doing? Um, I think that like, that's the thing that like is the most scary is like have gone against what you actually say you're not going to do never say never right that's what i'm like i'll never do this i at the point i was like i'll never open a restaurant and end up doing it so like i think that right now like specifically like on like i just think it's like the idea of ruling something out and being like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like I'm not going to, like, govern myself or, like, trying to think about, like, as a creative person, like, the humility is the most important part of what I do now. Because, like, as, like, a chef, you know, I found that my industry is, like, really flawed because, like, you're right, like, as a chef in a restaurant, that was the, once you become a chef, that's the person, like, everyone kind of, for so long, like, the rules are, you just have to say yes to this person, and mm-hmm. that they're always right, and, you know, eat, working for people like that, you're like, wait, but you're actually wrong, this isn't actually, sometimes <laughs> they're wrong, and they're like, and you're like, no, but, like, I think that when I became, when I've gotten to a certain place now where I am, I know I'm not, I never am right all the time. And rarely am I always, you know, rarely am I even right. And I always, I, if anyone asks me a question, the most common response they'll get from me now is like, well, I don't know, what do you think? You know, like, I think that, like, 
the humility is 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 a genuine thing i think that like the the questions you know especially in the world we live in now and it, and it's a really great place to be in but it's like i've always wondered like what food am i what food do i get to what what am i cooking you know like am i cooking like like what am i allowed to cook as a korean adoptee like am i only allowed to cook like food from oklahoma like should i be chasing after like food that like you know i didn't have as an adopted should i be trying to find my roots and like you know make korean food should i be should i be making food like that i genuinely am excited about in the moment like and paying respect to that and just this level of curiosity and trying to figure it all out because you're right like it's not like i it's like someone being like oh i'm a jazz musician like i play this type of guitar i play through this amp i play this style of music that's what i do um and so like i feel like the the curiosity has has gotten me where i'm at now and it's like but i think that it's like just being able to like give a lot of respect to like what i'm doing and still try to have fun um but just you know respectful and that humility like i think it's you know, it's like that saying, it's like, if you're the smartest person, if you're in a meeting, you're the smartest person at the table, then you're in the wrong meeting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of how I build my teams now. If people, I always look for someone that kind of is, that knows more, or is like hungrier, or like needs, you know, like, it's hard. It's hard to like, to keep that edge. And I realize that like, you are only as strong as like your team, really, of people that, that surround you. And um, maybe not even just skill set, but just as people, like, um, I've gone to that, that, you know, it's like, you know, you can hire like the best guitar player on paper or the best drummer on paper. It doesn't mean you're going to vibe with them and it's going to like make a great end result. Mm -hmm. We've had times in our, in our restaurants where we've had like the best line cooks, but like they weren't the best people. So I really look for like, who is the best person? Like who can, like, it doesn't really matter. Like food is one of those things that you can actually get really good at if you just try. Like, it's not like a, I'll never be able to be a masterful, like, you know, guitar player. Uh, if even if I like really tried hard, I just don't have that skill set. But like with food, like we've watched people like go from coming in, you know, our restaurant in the first year, not even knowing how to like use a knife, and then like by the end they can leave and like go, you know, run a small program of their own. And so like, I think that that's like a very rewarding part of what I do. But like at the same time, it's like, um, I think to answer your question, it's like the the. Humility, like the, that whole, th like all of the approach to what I make and what I do is really important. I think that also the people that I'm doing it with are equally as, if not more important now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Have you seen Ratatouille? Yeah, of course. Actually, okay. I watched Ratatouille. Like, um, my son really likes that movie. Yeah, I was, so I was, we actually I was watched actually it together, it. and <laughs> they're always like, it's the same thing though. It's like it's funny how cliche that is. But it's actually true. You know what I mean? It's like it's really good. It's like a really great. It's a great movie. It's a little too close to home because they they had this they had a, this really amazing chef Thomas Keller. Like he actually consulted on the movie. So like mm -hmm. all the kitchens, and like the way they're set up and the way service runs in that movie is just like it's literally like working in a French style brigade like mm -hmm. kitchen. Um, and it's funny because like you watch it, and it's a cartoon, but it's like just like. Oh, it's crazy. set up or the the pan placement the way they're like saucing dishes and like it's just like and the critic too like the food critic and like it's all it's all in there you know what i mean <laughs> yeah do you uh i forget the shit like the 
the chef that's like in the rat's imagination, but he uh, always is uh, saying uh, anyone can cook. Do you? Yeah. Do you, you believe that? I firmly believe that anyone yeah. can cook. <laughs> well, I forgot his name too, but he's like always coming up. It, the, he sees the book a, of him. Emil? No. Yeah, maybe or like guest spot. I don't know. I, no, I would I, just come I up with really. Um, but yeah, I think I, anyone can cook. People do, and that's the scary. That was also the scary thing with with quarantine and COVID it's just like wow people are gonna figure out you know like when everyone was like cooking all of a sudden I was like whoa like I hope I still have a job after all this you know what I mean because like it's not rocket science you know it's like you um but whenever we started making mission like everyone was like I don't know how he does it and I'm like I'd be like dude it's just like mapo tofu is like a meat sauce it's like making bolognese kind Mm -hmm. of you know it's just making and everybody has a meat sauce I grew up eating like my parents, we had like, you know, I talk about this a lot, but like every night we ate like hamburger helper, you know what I mean? Or something, ground beef was at a very, you know, corner, <laughs> it was a staple in every night's meal. Mm-hmm. It was it meatballs or meatloaf or whatever. And so it kind of like made sense, you know, and, and I feel like food is like one of those things that you should never be intimidated by it because it's not, baking is intimidating. Baking is actually I, really hard. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like cooking and I, I get better at it just by doing it um, yeah. and just following you know actually I'm not very I, I'll, like I'll follow a recipe once and then I'm like oh I saw that I saw it and yeah. then, I, then I just kind of but that's the fun thing about cooking is it's so forgiving whereas baking yeah. is not at all but uh, right. yeah, yeah no, cooking, it's true. you know it's hard to you can oversalt something or whatever, but it's 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 hard to like really ruin something when you when you have kids and you overspice it. That's that's hard. But yeah, I mean that's <laughs> the the kid food thing. But then again, like I feel like that's been really informative in how I cook too now. Yeah, and like it's been informative like about like how what my approach is because when you're cooking and you're like young and single and you're like you know <laughs> like you have a, you're on a date or whatever you're like hey come over I'll make you food like. You can take three hours. Well, you can't take three hours. I always would get in trouble for it taking too long. But you can really put it, lean in, and be like, oh, I'm going to, like, turn on the oven, and I'm going to, like, have this thing baking while I have this thing over here. Maybe I'll, like, turn on, like, get an ice cream machine and do a little <laughs> ice cream tonight. Like, when you have a kid, no, you're, like, cooking something in a pot, maybe using the microwave, most likely using the microwave in some point. And, like, I feel like that that, like, economy of time, effort, and overall, like, what your end product is has really informed um, how I've cooked. And, you know, now Mino's six, so, like, he'll eat more adventurous stuff, uh, but he's still, at the end of the day, he just wants, like, a cheeseburger or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, um, you know, like, it can't take three hours to make dinner, you know what I mean? And you want to, and, and I think I used to be, when I first became a father, it was really hard for me because it was hard for me to, like, engage and connect with my son like I didn't know how to you know be present you know and and like so I would like just be like oh I'm gonna cook dinner and I would just like go like dad's co- I'm cooking dinner so I'm just gonna be over in my zone mm-hmm. and doing that thing and so um I really thought about ways now to make dinner at home and cook for me you know that like involve him as well so it's like and also getting him to try new things but not forcing it on him like it took me a long time to get him to eat cauliflower or like and vegetables in general he didn't really like vegetables a lot and he liked broccoli he really latched onto broccoli so then after a while i was like well cauliflower is just like white broccoli even though it's much <laughs> different like i'm like you know it kind of tastes the same you know and and so he's gotten a little bit more um 
open to that but it's also such an ego killer whenever you make food <laughs> for a kid and you're like you make it like really pretty and like you garnish it like i'll get like oh maybe there's a little bit of like nori or like some some sort of like thing he'll just like scrape it off to the side you know in a restaurant for some reason someone can do that doesn't bother me but with him i'm like oh but like you know he's like i don't i don't want to eat that like i don't want that i don't want these onion sprouts on top of my food dad i don't want arugula like you know so um but it's helped it actually has influenced how you know that just translated to like you know how we work in the restaurant and how i you know just how we prepare things and how you know, back in the day, Mission Ch- Mission's Mapo Tofu was like 38 ingredients and it's slowly become like eight or nine, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then it's, and like, um, it's, it's, that has kind of like, it's just kind of been like, well, are you actually getting all of these parts? Can you taste all 39 ingredients? No, the answer was no at the end of the day for me. So let's, let's just like get it back to basics. And so, yeah, you know, with cooking, it's like, it's easier to do to like, you know, like you said, you're building off of like these like foundations. And you don't need, like, 75 foundations. You can just start with, like, one or two, like, pillars and, like, go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's that simplifying and, like, learning to... I, like, I, I mean, I and I, I'm, like, really into making cocktails, too. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I like a bunch of tiki stuff where it's, like, a lot of it's, mm-hmm. you know, a billion ingredients. But I, yeah. I really like finding... Uh, like I love riffs on this drink called the last word because it's just yeah. four four ingredients of equal parts, which is like oh. a fascinating like. It's like pound cake. <laughs> it's like pound cake is a isn't like a pound of each thing. I, oh, don't, is it I really? don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think pound cake is, gets its name was like a pound of butter, pound of sugar, pound of flour. Interesting. I, I never knew that. We should make a pound cake. Okay. You know, we should be looking into that. <laughs> but like it's but so, yeah, the last but word. it's interesting like this idea of like how what can you get out of like less less things and and you're actually if you can do it well you're actually able to taste those things that are actually in there and not just have this mass of like i I, it tastes like something i don't know you know and like you're, you're able to pick things out and i think musically too that's something over you know 22 years that we're yeah definitely getting better at like is like we kind of, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but it it still applies. Like, you don't have to play all the time. You don't have to play all the strings. You don't have to, mm. uh, like, the space is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, a lot of times, like, chefs, when we have them put up a special or something, they'll be, like, they'll be, like, always nervous. And always the first time they put up, there's, like, it's, like, me and garnishes. It's, like, there's, like, 50 things in there. And we're, like... Or like, we'll ask someone to make family meal. Sometimes we'll like make make food for dinner. To, you know, you're gonna make food for a staff of eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, they take it really seriously. And then like, they're like, hey, what's in this? And like, there's always like so many things. And you're like, you know, but can you? You could probably take five things out. You know. And so <laughs> yeah. now we like, and like, it would still be as delicious, if not more. You know, and you'd be less stressed out. So a lot of times now we're like, you can use seven things. Do that. You know what I mean? Uh. And, you know, and that's like been helpful. And even for myself, it's like doing the vegan cookbook it's like stripping away all these other things i can like go and be like oh i'm gonna use this thing it's really helped like codify what i'm doing and like organize my thoughts and my process which is is really helpful and again that's like you know as a chef people are always that's what finesse is finesse is like what can you do with like less Mm -hmm. like that takes a masterful person to be able to make something really great 
and the easiest things perceptively are always the I mean the the the, the less that you have the easier it is to mess it up you know because you don't have so much that you can hide by mission luckily we make really spicy food so it's like you know like but that was a hard thing it was like how do you get the spice and the and the numbing flavor but also taste what that is in mm. the dish you know if you're making like a, a salad but it's like a mouth numbing spicy salad can you still taste the lettuce can you still taste what other components are in the dish or do you just taste like chili and szechuan pepper you yeah, know yeah. and so um so yeah like that's like a it's definitely like a balance and i think it yeah, it only comes with like confidence and time you know and like being able to be like oh i feel confident enough to where i don't have to hide behind or you know i'm organized enough now to be able to like put this together in a more simplistic way but i do think having a six-year-old as your uh, every night food critic is also like <laughs> pretty helpful you know if they if he doesn't like something or if he does like we have this running document you know he's like he's he's designing the, the kids menu for mission and he's like he's like oh like we gotta put that on the kids menu sometimes we'll be eating somewhere or we'll be eating something he's like oh dad let's put that on the menu and i think it's really great because it's a right now it's like yeah it's like probably 20 dishes long and it's um, most of the time most of them are like it's easy it's like he's like sometimes he's right he's like you don't have dumplings on the menu you should put a dumpling on the menu but like no put a spicy one on the menu but something everyone can have and i'm like you're actually pretty right there you know speaking of cooking at home Mm-hmm. Do I need a walk? What is the benefit of a walk? I want after watching cooking shows, I really want to walk, but I also don't have the cool burner thing that's like flaming out of the earth at it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, you know with the new book we're doing, it's back and forth because initially when we were like doing Mission Vegan, we're like no walks allowed, you know, because my the my writer JJ is like, you know, people have it. And they want if they have it, they want to use it. But like, if you're gonna get someone to go out and buy a walk, I'm like, well, they're not expensive. There's some the positives are they're not expensive. The more expensive the walk, usually the in my opinion, it's not you're not gonna get what you need out of it if you're cooking off of a burner at home. Mm-hmm. At the restaurants, the walks we use, they aren't more than like eleven dollars. You know, mm-hmm. like because we they get banged up and we you know we use each walk we have we use for a couple months, three months and. After a while, like, the handle will start to warp or break because we are just using, doing such yeah. high volume. But I think that the positives are for home cooking, right? Um, if you get a wok that's not expensive, right, you don't need the huge burner, right? You do need a very strong smoke alarm or smoke detector or, like, a <laughs> ventilation uh, because the, the, the type of material that it's made out of, it's very thin, so it heats up really quickly. Okay. If your burners are hot enough, which again, most most home stoves aren't like really restaurant power, but there's ways around it. You can heat, you can like let it heat up on the burner for a while. I do suggest, and by a while, I mean if you're gonna do a stir fry, the 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 reason you want to walk is so you get that really smoky, like that really smoky, like they call it wake, but like the breath of the wok the flavor of like the wok that kind of like smoky restaurant like stir fried almost like a barbecue grill flavor Mm -hmm. um that you can also get out of a cast iron pan too if you have one of those um i like woks if if you do buy a wok buy one that's cheap buy a wok ring so it's like this little uh it looks like a donut kind of like it kind of looks like a something that would go on like a hubcap or something like that they're really inexpensive yeah it just sets on it sets like you pull your it sets up over your burner okay. and it's, and it, you just, it's, it's round like this and you can just set your walk in it. Cause trying to balance a walk on yeah, like yeah. The, uh, the thing, it doesn't always work. 
Um, but I've been again. I've gone to restaurants. I've gone to restaurant restaurants where they just use a wok on a burn like that and make your fried rice or whatever. I like the fact that woks are really easy to clean. Um, I like them if you have that little um, that little wok ring. I like the fact that you can you can like kind of like shallow fry things if you want. So say for instance you're gonna make. Um, like frying stuff at home is really, I don't really fry stuff at my apartment just cause I don't, usually it takes a lot of oil and yeah. then also like, you know, I'm not trying to like have my house smell like deep fried food, but it, you know, there's certain dishes that we're making. If you want to do with the book, we're doing like, you know, like a Korean fried cauliflower dish or like, um, you know, doing like a tempura or something like that. You can use less oil in a mm-hmm. wok than you would in a Dutch oven or something. It's a little bit more challenging to like, um, to govern like the heat level but like it's really helpful because if you're ever deep frying in a round like a lay crusade or, like a dig a deep pot like going into like to scoop it out can be challenging with a wok it's round and so you oh, kind of yeah. go up the edge when you when you when you take something out of there um so i think it's a worthwhile investment to have there's a lot of people are like do i need to season it and like yeah i think you should season your wok by by seasoning i mean you would like take it home, get it really hot, like burn off. Like sometimes they have this like coating on the inside of them to kind of make them like less, I don't know why, but you kind of want to burn that off. Um, and just means heat it up until it gets red in each area. It's very easy to see, um, when that's happening, it'll just kind of like glow, like kind of orange. And then, um, but make sure you have your ventilation on when you're doing that. And then just like wipe it out with oil when you're done. Like you can scrub it with it. People are like, can I use like soap and water on it? Yeah, you can use soap and water on it. Like scrub it out if you need to. But just make sure you oil it um, with a paper towel, a little oil um, after you use it because if it's carbon, it'll like it'll it'll um, it'll rust. Um, but I think if you want to spend, you know, like y'all spend like twenty bucks. I wouldn't buy like a fancy stainless steel all cloud walk i love all cloud by the way but i wouldn't i would just if i think the flavor you're going to get you want to have like a thin um not inexpensive like you know walk you can get on online or um you know at like your restaurant supply store if there's one of those around you Uh, a lot of times asian markets have them um Mm -hmm. too like back where the dishes are and stuff like that a lot of times those asian markets will sell um like, you know, like dishes and like bowls and like chopsticks and stuff. So it's usually back there hidden away and they always have like the wok and usually they have the wok ring. I would invest in the wok ring. It's probably $5. I think that the most useful applications for woks at home would be if you're going to make fried rice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard. You always want to make... The good thing about a wok is it's got high sides, so you can put your food in there and, you know, versus putting it in a saute pan, it's not like difficult to maneuver and mix around and stir fry. Yeah. So I think, I think stir frying and noodles at home is a little challenging, like, um, without having that really high heat from the restaurants, like, and just noodles as, as a whole, like, can be challenging because they stick to the wok unless you're like really moving and stir frying really quickly over high heat. Um, but I love, I love the fact that even at home, even on like a burner that's not as strong as a restaurant burner, if you want to like heat up a couple cups of something or like boil water quickly, because it's super thin and it conducts heat pretty quickly and somewhat evenly, like you can boil stuff quickly in there too. So I think it's really useful. I would say get it if you have the space to store it. If there's like if there's don't don't get one. If there's no, I don't have I have a little my apartment in New York is tiny, so there's not room for me to put one in my cupboard. You know mm-hmm. so. I don't have one. Um, I think there's a, also there's like a, there's this, if you do, there's like an in-between thing 
at, there's a, a website called JB Prints, and they're in New York here, and they ship everywhere. You can go online. But JB Prints has a, a medium size. It's a lot more expensive. It's definitely an investment, but I would. this is like what I use at home. And it's this company called Spring. And um, they're based out of the US. They, have, they make really amazing products. Um, that pan is what I use at home. And it's like, it's like got high sides, almost shaped like a mini walk, mm-hmm. you know? And, but I would say for you, I would definitely buy, uh, invest in like a cheap walk. And also walks are great to, if you're barbecuing outside and you do want to get that like really restaurant heat, you know, like, um, there's nothing better than like corn or something stir fried in a walk. And if you're barbecuing mm. and you're grilling outside already, when I say preheated, you can just like go make sure the handle's not over the grill grate, but like put your wok ring down or just put it on the wok and like let it heat up. I mean, let put it on the grill over the, you can just take the grill grate off and just put it on top of the coals and let it get uh, okay. super hot and then go out and it's like, you know, we don't, the food we stir fry at Mission, like nothing's in a wok more than like a minute, 30 seconds or two minutes. And we do have the higher heat, but it's like, you want it to be kind of in and out. And I, and the last thing I'll say, when you're stir frying stuff in a wok, I always tell people it's kind of like um, dressing a salad. You know, mm. like you, you want it to be like in there and you want to move it around. But if you're like, it's like the same with lettuce and like vinaigrette. If you're like mixing it around too much, you're just going to compromise the lettuce. It's going to get all mushy. It's going to get all watery. You want it to just, just be dressed. And with fried rice and everything like that, you just want to like dress it, but you don't want it to cook it to where it's like continuing to cook or burn or get mushy and stuff like that. So, so you talking earlier about growing up in this kind of, very fundamental Christian house where you were like at church all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had read that you, I think you said something like religion doesn't hold a lot of sway for you um, mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, but I was curious, just like your thoughts on, like, I don't, do you still think about the idea of, of God at all? Does, or is that kind of out there? And also just uh, with a kid, growing up curious like do you end up talking yeah. about stuff like that with your kid i um i quit drinking like maybe i don't know five years ago or something like that and like there was a point where i like i wasn't i went to meetings for a little while just to try that out just to you know i was going through a lot in my life at the time whenever i after a few years after i quit drinking actually and um i quit drinking just because i was really tired as a chef i'm just an obsessive person and like I will do anything until I just hate it, you know. Mm-hmm. And like drinking was just like that for me. I I don't really have anything. I know I can't control. It wasn't a. I can't control myself in a way. And and like it wasn't a problem in my like it wasn't like waking up and drinking or anything like that. But I would just like every night it wasn't fun for me. I would like get out of work and just drink until I fell asleep. And so when I started going to these meetings, everyone would talk about like a higher power, right? Mm-hmm. Like the and so. That was the first time in my adult life that I was like, kind of like, well, I don't believe in, I don't really believe heavily. I don't subscribe to like organized religion. So like, I thought there was something fundamentally wrong as a kid going to church and just being terrified and scared when mm-hmm. I left. And also my family, I'm very working class and my parents are giving like, my mom would give like almost 20% of what my family made to this church and our mm-hmm. church. It was just very flawed. Like the, the pastor, like, drove a Rolls Royce and like we're mm-hmm. you know drive a Dodge Caravan and all these things so I don't believe in that like um, I don't think there's having a kid now like um, there's gotta be something else you know I don't I don't I don't I don't believe in like a specific God 
but I do believe in that there's like something else. There's a higher power. And I think with my son, like he can believe whatever he wants to believe. That actually is interesting that you bring that up because he's at the age now where he's like, dad, like there are kids at his school that are like re- maybe religious. And they're like, oh, well, Mino, like Mino's like, hey dad, like I was told I can't like do that because I'll go to hell. I'm like, wait, who told you that? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and like, or like one of his kids in his class, um, like doesn't, you know, celebrate Christmas and, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's his, that's his choice. Like we, you can do what you want to do. So I kind of leave it in his court. If he becomes someday, like he's like, dad, I'm going to start going to the exact same church that you went to when you were mm. a kid. I will be okay with that. I would maybe give him some pointers, um, as to what to be mindful of, but like ultimately he'll make his own decisions. And so I'm not going to come out here and tell anyone that what they think is wrong. Like, I don't want to be like, you're wrong. I'm right. I can just say, like, well, this has been my experience with that, and, like, this is why I don't really go in that direction anymore, especially with, like, organized religion. But I do believe that people, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing when people, like, aspire to, like, that they have an idea that something's bigger than just themselves. And so Mm -hmm. in regard to religion or, like, God specifically, I like the way that, like, I don't know, it's weird, like, because I I was always, like, really into Smashing Pumpkins, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, like, and Billy Corgan and, like, you know, like he always has this like perspective on like God. He like sings about God a lot, but he's not religious. And like that always messed me when I was younger. I was like, I don't, I don't, is he religious? Or like, mm-hmm. um, but just that being a part of a, some, a narrative and like this big, huge thing that like no one really understands, but we think we understand and we've been told how to understand it. I think it's really fascinating, you know? That's interesting about Corgan, even. Mm-hmm. He's basically breaking like. <laughs> the rules yeah. of what everyone's set up right like if you're yeah. talking about god it's like in these very narrow and constricting ways and i think the way he's approaching is like i'm talking about like everything right i'm trying to yeah think, like everything's all connected whatever and i want to have a name for it and yeah <laughs> whatever but um it's but it's yeah. it's weird it, it weirds people out when you when you break the categories i think um yeah Hey everyone, if you're already supporting the show through Patreon, thank you so very much. If you aren't yet, I wanted to let you know that you can now become a patron and support the show for as little as $5 a month. Becoming a patron can provide you with a variety of perks, including access to additional content like song lyric breakdown episodes, Q&A episodes where you can submit questions for me to answer, additional conversation episodes that won't show up in the public feed, and access to our Discord board where we're building community and engaging in deeper conversations around the show. Here's a sneak peek at some additional patron-only content. The long defeat is this idea that Tolkien talks about in a couple different places. This is my, you know, rehashing of it or reinterpretation. Because uh, I can't remember exactly what he says. But the idea is that even when things seem hopeless, like in the end it's all going to go to crap and fall apart and you know good will lose and evil will triumph or something like even when that seems totally uh, like a foregone conclusion uh it's still worth fighting that long defeat so fighting the good fight even when victory doesn't seem to be possible so i think there's two good things about that one is it's hard to tell what good you do now is going to affect anything in the future uh, but it does, and there's actually going to be a new song I'm writing that kind of pulls out that 
train of thought a little bit. If you're digging this podcast and want to join me and others like you in our pursuit of the good, the true, and the beautiful, then joining us on Patreon is the best way to do it. Sign up today at patreon.com forward slash carry the fire pod. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, two more short ones. Well, actually, I was going to ask you about Narcs. Is that, mm-hmm. so you have a band where you had, I don't, is it? Still yeah, yeah, we right. still play. Have, all right, have a band with Jeff from uh, Thursday and Chris from Thursday. Yeah, but. it's a really beautiful, crazy, weird story, and I'll try to make it quick. But like the, like Jeff came into the restaurant one night when it was at the old location on um, Orchard Street in New York, and at that time, like I recognized him, but I thought he was another friend. This guy Chris, that was in this band Girls in San Francisco, who always in a mission mm. in San Francisco. So I was like, oh, what's up, you know? And so. He's like, you know, being Jeff, and like, you know, he was just like, oh, hey, how's it going? And like, hugs me, or like, I go in for a hug, and, and, you know, all night we're like, you know, I was like, yeah, I got you, don't worry about it. And so he sat in the back, and I just kept bringing him food. Or at the time, like, people were, the kitchen wasn't, you couldn't see the dining room from the kitchen. So, like, I would tell a server, like, oh, take this to that guy's table. Like, he just told me, as I was like, what do you want to eat? He's like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, and that's what the other guy said, too. The guy, <laughs> other guy, Chris, was like, whatever you want. So, and at the end of the night, um, you know, he's leaving. He's like, that was amazing. And I still hadn't put two and two together. I don't actually know who this person is. <laughs> and so he's like, he's like, yeah, we're going to see a show. Do you want to go see it? It's at pianos around the corner. I was like, sure, let's go. So I leave. And at the corner of, of, of Orchard and like, like, uh, like Stanton Street, as you're turning the corner, I realize I have no idea who this person is. I'm like... <laughs> Oh shit! So like, I'm like, go with it, and that's when I, you know, I, I go around the corner. We go into pianos, and he starts like running into these other guys. Like, oh, he's like, what's up? And like, he was meeting his friends there, and it's like, I'm like, oh, like I also know these people, but I don't know these people. And it was like some of the guys from Taking Back Sunday, and I was like, I was like, and I was by myself because I was like, it was the end of the night, and I was like, oh yeah, like oh, okay, that it's, like, here I am with, like, you know, I was a huge, like, Thursday fan, like, I remember watching, I remember in Oklahoma, like, MTV2, like, staying up late to, like, watch videos on MTV2 when they would come out, and, like, um, I remember watching, like, the, the premiere of, like, the understanding and, um, that video, and so, like, that's how I knew him, and I, like, had his album, and, and so, but I, he, being the nice guy he is, and me kind of going with it, at the end of the night, like, we're, like, cool, man, like, awesome and i never broke it to him i didn't know who he was and he's like yeah he's like oh let me get your number man and i'm like cool and so for a while we're like texting and then like you know fast forward a few years later we never i never really told him until later i was like you know i didn't really know that that was you but we're we became really good friends and like he's like oh i know i knew i knew the whole time he's like it's fine i just you know i was stoked for you and, and so no he was like and then and then like there was a time remission at that same location it got shut down by the health department and the buildings department in New York and we had to move. And I was like, really like for lack of a better word, I was like very emo and like really going through it. And he was like, Hey man, like, you know, at that point we've become very close. He's like, I got, I'm going to go see Chris They're You know, I know you're friends of, you love saves the day. So he's like, they're playing at the Starland tonight. You want to go? I was like, sure. And so I go out there and, um, I meet Chris and Chris is like this, you know, like kind of like bubbly like really happy guys i met chris in the in the back of starland like they were playing their like christmas show or something and like 
he was with his dad. So the first time I meet Chris, he's like, oh, here's my dad. Like, he introduced me to his dad, and I'm like, cool, and see them. And then he actually, like, um, that night, he, like, you know, he was like, oh, like, I want to thank, you know, I made him some food and brought it with me. Because I feel like food is a really great icebreaker. And so I was like, oh, I made some dishes. We're not really open, but these are the dishes from the restaurant. He was like, oh, man. Like, he, like, said something about it on stage. And so then we become, at that at that moment we all become friends like and they're already friends and when they come in town chris is always like hey i'm in town like we should all get together and so we had signed the lease at the new restaurant space on east broadway like two years later and we're about to open we just gotten the liquor license converted over and like, we're not open yet and chris is in town so i'm like hey let's go i want to show you the new spot so i show him the new spot and we're sitting at this table in the back and they're like chris is like yo danny like do you play music and i was like um, no, I played in like the praise and worship ba- uh, band in church and mm-hmm. like just like I played drums, but like I'm not very good. And he's like, you know, we should like be a, you should you should we should be in a band, you know. And I was like, I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, whatever you think. And they're like, yeah, we should like. And so like, the, you know, we're on this group text already. And so he's like, I'm going to be back, you know, like, let's let's jam. Let's be in a band. But, like, we're going to call it like, what, what should we call it? And so he's like, we should call it narcs and it should be like a the beastie boys like a party band but like it should be like we're like we're basically undercover like we party and we're like all our songs are about getting fucked up and partying but really we're like super straight edge and we're just like narking on all these people we're partying with and that's what all the songs will be about (laughs) and so it's this crazy concept and so for the longest time for like months after this it's like oh i got a song it's obey the law and he starts like putting like (laughs) lyrics down and then the crazy thing is it's like oh there's one other one it's like oh you're busted there's like let's call one like you're busted and like we have to then like we have to have the our song should be called we're narcs and like that's our that's our our anthem it's like we're narcs and it's like um you know it's fast forward it's like and and he's Uh, like i have this book tour coming up and they're like my book is coming out the first the mission book three years late and they're like oh we want to go put you on book tour and i was like i don't want to go give boring talks at like bookstores no one's going to come to that and like i'm going to be uncomfortable i was like i have an idea and i was like i have a band and i never thought the publisher i was like my band is going to go on tour and then we're going to make food and the band's going to play and like sure that sounds amazing can we get i was like we just got to get us money to go on tour or whatever and so i text them like hey guys like um if you really want to do this band thing like I think we can do it. And Chris is like, amazing. He's like, I'm going to put some songs together. He already had all the lyrics in this group text already. So he like sends over music. Me and Jeff are like, okay, we're going to like practice. So when you get in town, we'll just play. And so he sent over like five songs and they're amazing. And so we're like, okay, so Jeff and I, Jeff goes to Guitar Center and he gets a bass and I have like, buy like a really crappy like drum kit. And we started to practice and it was like hard without Chris there. We'd play it and like, Chris is like, no, it doesn't matter. We'll just play. When I get there, we'll just play. And I was like, okay. And for Jeff and Chris who are in bands, like (laughs) imagine how like, like crazy it is for me. I'm like here, like with these guys who I grew up, like they're very formative years of my life listening to like their music and and the drummers that you know saves has had tons of drummers but you know like thursday like tucker's an insane drummer like amazing drummer and i'm like i'm like yeah okay so we're just gonna just play and so the they he shows up and he's like let's run through it all once and i'm like (laughs) okay and so i try and then we play and it's just luckily those songs are like written in a way it's just like i just kept thinking like he's like just just go with it and i'm just thinking like beastie boys like we actually cover like fight for your right to party so i'm like okay just play like that you know 
And so over the years, it's been like anytime he's in town, anytime that, that you know, um, we can find an excuse to do it, we'll play. And like we actually played recently. Um, there was this thing, um, and I'll probably, if we were doing this thing with the restaurants, we were like um, collaborating, you know, with um, you know, artists and the friends and chefs. And this idea came from back in the day, Denny's. I think Denny's used to do this, oh, like, yeah. that was so this band <laughs> menu thing. Did you guys have one of those or no? no? Did no, you see but that? I remember it. So I was like, hey, like, yo, we should, like, save, you should put dishes on the menu. And so we did it, and we got American Express and Resi, um, like, did it, and, like, they came and we played. And so um, we're actually, they keep kicking around. They want to record. Um, we did actually put some stuff down. Um, this guy, Jesse Cannon, like, like helped us with it. And, um, yeah, Jeff's, I, couldn't, I um, couldn't find anything out there. Yeah, Jeff's bandmates. None of us out. Um, out. Jeff's yeah. bandmate, um, Stu, um, who was in think united nations with him mm. um helped and so we're like we, it's there we just have to finish it and like put it out but it's like it's always been the thing it's like oh let's like finally put it out and we have it it's amazing and i'll i'll send it to you like just lyrically it's it's funny because it's like chris can try to make it like off off like you know kind of like off the cuff and like feel like kind of lighthearted and fun and, and he does but it's like he writes in such a way that it's just like oh it's so clever it's so good okay. so um so yeah, Narcs is still it's still a thing and like it's super um, fun. It's really really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's also I'm finally like not peeing my pants every time we play because I'm like, dude, like, you know, it's funny we recorded like it took me, I, I I'm sure I don't know like it took me I think two days of tracking drums like I've never tracked anything in my mm-hmm. life right so they're like oh we're gonna go to the studio and you're gonna track drums I'm like what it took me two days like two full days of trying to play these songs to like get it together and they were so nice and understanding that's, they just sat in the room and they're like they're like they're like no it's like because i just couldn't get it right they're like play with the click track don't play with the click track just play it like however and i was like i was like you guys can just play these parts for me if you want like i'm really bad at drums <laughs> but like they were there and it was like again I, I i really am thankful because in that every moment in my life it's been challenging um you know you have those and anyone's you have those people that you can kind of like tap and be like oh like that it, I was able to like maintain this level of like lightheartedness and fun, but they, I think they also knew that like I was really struggling and uh, a, a couple of times that we've like you know been um, around each other as band and like played so it's, it's cool it's like um, you know before COVID like there was I don't know if I should say this but I think Saves and Thursday were supposed to do something like mm-hmm. and they were like oh when we do this if you want to come out we can play <laughs> and I'm like why are you why that's insane but um. But yeah, it's it's like a really, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, that's crazy. I was talking to that's my cool. partner I, about it. Yeah. I just like how uh, it's very pure. It's just like buddies screwing around and like it's rad. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're screwing. Around. I'm trying as hard as I can to not like mess up, not screw up. You know what I mean? Like you have that those nightmares of like as playing drums where you just like stop. Like that's the worst thing you do is just stop playing, like freeze, like. And I had nightmares for a while. I was like, oh, I just stopped. And they kept playing. And um, it's cool. That's awesome. All right, last question. Uh, do you have any consistent practices or habits that are helpful for you? I exercise a lot more. Like, as a, like I think that, well, COVID has kind of messed it up because gyms and stuff are closed. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think exercise or, like, um, taking time, you know, as a, you know restaurants and kind of building this life where i'm always surrounded by people and also having a kid like 
they don't get a lot of alone time. So I think that my alone time is like exercise. And so I like cycle or like bike a lot. Um, and then, uh, you know, like that, and also like, honest, this is a weird thing, but like a consistent practice of like talking to a therapist is like one of those things. Like I, it's not weird. Man. I, no, I know. But like, I, <laughs> it's not weird, but I struggle with like, you know, that was such a stigmatized yeah, thing. Yeah, yes, You know, yes. growing up as a kid, born in the 80s, like, men aren't supposed to, you know, feel or, like, talk about their feelings. So my son's mom actually, like, a long time ago encouraged me and was like, you should do this, you know, and it's been really helpful. I think that in my life in the last, like, six or seven years has been the most consistent practice I've had for me. Uh, and again, it's like, How often I do you, dread it. do you do that? Um, it, at, at, at most it was like once a week mm. um, and then it like financially it just like was so expensive I couldn't afford it and so like now it's like you know bi-weekly mm-hmm. but um, you know uh, and like who knows like you know like my my therapist like had a kid and like you know there was like a, a time away that, that, that they had and and like yeah now with like COVID and stuff it's been like harder but you know we still I still have my sessions and those are really important and they, I don't even if I don't, it's like work. It's kind of like working out, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to go work out, yeah. and then you do it, and you're like, "Oh, I needed to do it even more." Like I, I, I needed to do it, and I'm yeah. happy I did. So um, those are the two like consistent practices in my life that I feel like, you know, if anyone knows me and like I'm like struggling or whatever personally, they're like, "Oh, have you like that are close to me?" Like, "Oh, have you like talked to your therapist?" Or like, and then my therapist, I'm struggling. She's like, "Have you been exercising? Like, have you had <laughs> moments to yourself?" So. Yeah. Um, those are, I would say those are my two most common, you know, practices that That's I consistently awesome. have. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. And thanks yeah. for, thanks for coming on. It's really, really fun to hang with you. Yeah, of course, man. Are you cooking? What's for dinner tonight? Is it dinner time? Um, I haven't decided if I'm doing tacos or, oh, yeah. uh, like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I like cooking like rice and veggies and, and meat, yeah. but I don't have like... I'm actually. I was just looking last night if you had a cookbook, and I discovered you had the the mission one. So wait, but wait I'm, for I'm the that. wait for the new one though, because yeah. that one, the that old one is like very chefy, and like I'll tell you right now, if you get, I mean, not discouraging one from getting it, but like it is very like it's a restaurant cookbook, yeah. And like the new one is going to be like, here's take like five things. If you want to like cook your own beans, you can. If not, you can buy them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do this. So it's like really a much more, but also it will taste exactly like the food we make at Mission. That's so. like the uh, the first uh, book from Death and Co was like mm-hmm. so like it's just all these drinks and all mm-hmm. of them have like it's like oh this is this uh, thing you have to soak for 14 days <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah. dude I just so, want to make a drink right now and I mean they're so either. good when you make them but then they put out their new one is like all about like breaking down like the six major cocktails and the way that they branch into all these other ones it's so good it's really helpful so because you want someone to cook from it you want someone to do it one of my friends had a cookbook all in on this he like he's this amazing chef and he's an amazing chef in like denmark he's in actually he's in um sweden but one of his recipes literally said to go chop down a tree and then age (laughs) and then age this syrup (laughs) or to procure the sap from the tree and then age that for a year and i'm and then make this dish with that i'm like i'm like bro like but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm actually doing a thing on um, Saves' Patreon with Rod. Um, he does, like, a cooking show, I guess. And so we're going to do some, like, dishes on there. So, like, you know, we're trying to get stuff out there. I'm trying to get stuff out there for people to, like, 
follow along with that aren't like too chefy, but are like kind of, you know, like you wouldn't think like, oh, I can do that with this mm-hmm. or like, especially vegetables and vegan stuff. Like it's really cool to be like, oh, I haven't thought of this way to do this thing. Yeah. You know? I got in a habit of trying to cook a lot of, a lot of like vegan stuff for a bit um, mm-hmm. and just less meat. And then I COVID, I totally fell off of it. And it was just like, I, like especially in the beginning, I was just like, uh-huh. I just need something easy that I know like and I think it's just like comfort going back to like yeah, I know yeah, I like the meat <laughs> yeah a meatball is a, is a beautiful thing I mean my son loves I mean I've I've, I've gotten out of many a hairy like situations at dinner time by just like I'm, I'm just gonna make a cheeseburger you know and like yep. yeah again it's like what's comforting what's good and what's delicious I think you should do tacos because it's like a it never feels like you phoned it in when you do taco night like it feels <laughs> good yeah everyone walks away happy versus like if you're trying to like also like it's so fast it's like it's done you're not like no one's waiting around so cool man anyhow all right well dude it's so much fun all right thanks man have a good night see you bye if you have a moment today it would help a ton if you could leave us a review on apple Podcasts. And share this episode with a friend. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Carry the Fire Pod. I want to thank my producer, Andy Lara, and all of our executive producers, Chris Reeves, Tony Panaro, Sam George, Reed Duchess, Thomas Fortcourt, Shamir Hassan, Amy Armstrong, Luis Rivera, Gabe Munoz, Cameron Lane, Hamza Bebehana, Michael Maitland, Adam Collins, Susanna Coleman, Ian Hunt, John Diego, Jess Card, Mark Weiss, Brianna Webb, John Buchan, Denise Sugita, Colin Hawthorne, Brian Weisbecker, Josh Malara, Eric Gonzalez, Matthew Alcon, and Tiffany Payne. Thank you all so much for carrying the fire with me, and I'll see you next time.